Good morning, soul singing tribe. Bethany is away at camp and I'm away for a few days of vacation. We didn't want to leave you a week without a podcast. So we thought, I thought it would be helpful because we have so many new listeners to, to replay the very first episode, which really starts with why. Why are we doing another worship podcast? Why is it called So Every Soul Sings? Um, and I hope you enjoy. I hope it encourages you. I hope maybe at some level it um, spurn, spurs you on towards next steps and that you'll be able to help the church you're a part of sing, not just from their voices, but from their souls. Welcome to the very first episode of So Every Soul Sings Worship for the Real Church. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today and with my friend Rod Ellis. He is a worship leader here at Woodburn Baptist Church. He has been here for the last six years and has been my friend and co-conspirator <laughs> for the last about three. Uh, we actually collaborate quite a bit on yeah. different projects here and uh, in this beautiful city in Kentucky where we live. Uh, and honestly, the first time that I ever met you, Rod, the thing that stuck out to me was how pastoral you are. It mm. just oozes out of your pores. Um, the context where I met you was a monthly meeting that we had of different worship leaders, and you had brought someone from your church who was starting a new ministry, the Worship Leadership Arts Academy? Yeah, Leadership yes. Academy of the Arts. I was Arts. trying to remember the yeah. name. The Worship... It's just Leadership Academy of the Arts. Leadership Academy of the Arts. Yep. And just the way that you introduced her, and you mm. were so excited about her vision, I was like, wow, what an amazing pastor. Like, you wow. have a tremendous gift of pastoring people. Mm. People always feel loved and cared for around you. And it's a wonderful gift to have as a worship pastor to really pour into your people and make them feel loved and cared for. You're also a mentor and a great teacher in many, many ways, and a tremendous singer, I might add. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you. Thank you, and that's quite enough of that. Um, <laughs> I also want to tell you guys why Bethany is here and why after like really months of praying and thinking about who would help me with this um, dream come true, um, there's several reasons. First of all, she's younger than me, and I know that I'm not an old guy, but I'm an old guy. I'm going to be 54 this month. I mean, that's just, I'm really in the last third of my ministry, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to just hang out with old guys. I, I want to be <laughs> able to connect with people who are younger, and, and honestly with people who are a lot younger. It's one of my favorite things about the what has happened in the worship ministry here. The average age of the folks on our stage has probably gone down 25 years in the last six years. Um, we have lots and lots of high school, college, young adults on our platform, and I just think that's beautiful and healthy, and so um, Bethany will help me keep this young, and I, and I love that. Um, well, we won't say how much younger No, we don't need to do Not that. Not that but, much younger. But you're in, the, you're in the middle third, and I'm in the last third, so we can be that broad. Um, but she's also a she, and, and I think there's something really important about that in church life these days, and, and maybe especially in worship ministry. Um, I know for a lot of women, it's difficult to break in as worship leaders, and I don't want that barrier to um, remain. I, I think it's an artificial one that our culture has created. 
I was talking with a guy just in the last few days whose grandmother, who would have been dead for 50 years, was the worship leader with her husband who was the pastor. I mean, it's not like this has always been this way, but for some of us it's always been that way. And I just want women to know that whatever God has called you to do, that's your place to serve. And other people don't get to determine that for you. That's between you and, and Jesus. So um, I love the, the guy-gal perspective. I love that we see things so differently, men and women. Um, I'm learning that as I learn about women in leadership that one of the things I have to be careful of because I'm a man is I, I don't know how women see things. And, I, and I've kind of always known that. I've been married 32 years. Like I get that we're different. But in leadership and in church life, it's very important to us, I think, to all understand that we come at things from really different places. And so I love just the male-female um, perspective that Bethany will help me bring um, I love that Bethany comes from a different tradition than mine. Um, that's not to say that it's radically different or that, you know, I mean, we're both Christians. Um, she grew up as, as a kid with parents who were pastors and missionaries and, um, and highly evangelical. So in that sense, it feels like we're cut from the same cloth, but we really have come to this place from very different locations. And again, I think that broadens our ability to see things and opens up conversations that I'm already thinking about in future episodes that we're not ready to have yet because <laughs> of where, where Bethany has come from. And then one of the very practical reasons that I love that Bethany's here is she's a tribe builder. Uh, in our part of the world, we have a thing called the Soki Worship Community. Bethany is nearly single-handedly, I know she hasn't single-handedly, shout out to Martha and others, um, but she's nearly single-handedly built a tribe of worship leaders in our part of the of the state. Um, and I really want to build a tribe with this podcast. I, I want to I want to call all people together who wish that every soul in their church could sing. And, and we'll talk about that as we get into today's episode, but Bethany is a brilliant tribe builder, and I just need her help. And so it's a really practical and, and maybe even borderline narcissistic reason. Uh, but I love that she's younger and she's a she and she comes from a different place and she's a tribe builder and all of those things, in addition to her friendship and her extraordinary gifts, um, make it so that I think she's the perfect person to host this with me. So where are we going to start, Bethany Pettigo? The favorite question of all children everywhere. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. I have thought about that question so much, and, and those of you who read and listen about leadership stuff have been confronted with this question for years, too. And finally, I was driving in my car. This has probably been nine months ago, maybe a year ago. I was listening to a podcast on leadership, and they were talking about Start With Why, which is a very famous business book. And, <laughs> um, and it just finally occurred to me why I do what I do, why I've done what I've been doing for the last 35 or so years. Gosh, I really am old. Um, it just occurred to I, you? Yeah, it did. Uh, After 35 it, years. It did. And, <laughs> and I actually want to, I want to circle around to that even within this answer, but I do what I do so every soul sings. Um, the decisions that I make when it comes to planning a service, to leading a service, to the people on the platform, to the color of light, to the way the lyrics look on the screen, I mean, everything that I do, I hope, is motivated by this reason. So every soul sings. I, I went on the walk to Emmaus spiritual retreat and um, I think it was 1993. I sat at this table of Stephen um, Reynoldsburg United Methodist Emmaus community in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, and there was a worship experience as a part of that weekend, which changed my life. 
And it really was, I think, God showing me what it looks like in a room when every soul sings. Hmm. And, and that phrase, so every soul sings, goes back to, oh my goodness, before I had children, um, 26 years ago, and God showed me, this is what it looks like, and this is what I want you to go make happen. I want you to go into a church and make it so every soul sings. I didn't have that language, but I had that vision, and I've been pursuing that. And when the language came, it was like, I don't know, it, it was the perfect dessert after the perfect meal, or it was, it was something that just made everything all of a sudden feel like, that's why I do what I do. And, and so I am excited about the name of this podcast, about uh, my website is now soeverysoulsings.com. I, I just, I want to help every soul sing. And, and I just, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting excited. I'm jazzed about that. That is so fun. So do you think the vision of every is realistic? Mm. I mean, when you say every soul, you mean every single person in the congregation, every single person that walks into the doors of your church. There are people coming from all different walks of life and maybe horrible experiences in church yeah. or outside of church, let's be yeah. honest. I, I think every is God's dream for vision, for worship. I, I, and maybe that's why it is my goal. Um, and also, uh, until heaven, not one that will be achieved. But I think God made us to worship, and he wants every soul to worship him. And as a guy made in his image, like every other guy and gal in the world, um, I just want to be a part of making God's dream come true. And so I really do think every... I, I love that in our services here at Woodburn, there'll be eight-year-olds with their hands lifted high and 80-year-olds with their hands lifted high. Um, I love that it really doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Um, we have former addicts and people who have never tasted alcohol standing next to each other in worship, in, in abandoned worship. I love that about our church. We have African Americans and, and Asians and Caucasians that are gathered in the same room, worshiping the same God at the same time. I love that. Um, we've talked about male and female. We have men and women who worship together um, and, and I don't just mean like they're in the same room. I mean, I see husbands and wives holding hands, you know, or um, just the beauty of, of people. I love that we have people who have been a part of this church since before I was born, and they worship alongside people who are here for the first time. And that's just a part of what we do at Woodburn. It's beautiful. I love that we have singers and non-singers standing next to each other, and the non-singer still sings anyway. Just recently, I was at a, a major concert event here in town, and I was standing next to and in front of two of the worst singers in the room. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. And I'm not a recording artist. I don't have that kind of voice, but I can sing. And so I'm just I'm singing, but I can hear these two guys, and they're terrible. <laughs> And it was one of the most beautiful sounds I heard the whole night. Now, the, the violin and cello duet that introduced Reckless Love was amazing, but not compared to the two souls beside and behind me that were singing, even though they didn't have a voice to sing. We have non-singers in our church who their soul sings and their voice tries, and I love that so much. Well, and let's talk about that now. Yeah. Now, you know this is my jam, and <laughs> I could talk about this for hours and hours. Yeah. But singing doesn't necessarily equate to worship. I, I like how you say sometimes voices sing, souls worship. But what does it mean for a soul to sing? What does that mean? 
Because yeah. anybody could stand up and, you know, mumble along and, you know, try to figure out the words. And if they've heard the song before, they could make it come out of their mouth. But that's not what you're talking about at all. It's not. Um, your soul, I, I think of the soul as the essence of a person. I don't know if that's a theologically accurate description or not. Um, you know, we have the mind, that's the way we think. We have the heart, that's the way we feel. We have our body, that's the way we interact with the world. But really our soul is kind of, when I encounter my wife's soul in heaven, I'll know her because it's who she is. And, and I may not recognize her body, I may, I don't understand how that's going to work. <laughs> but I do think that I will understand, I will recognize the souls of people because it's who you are. And so when who you are worships who God is, that's just that's just powerful. And the psalmist in, in Psalm 103 said, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. He wanted the essence of who he was to cry out to God. Um, all of my inmost being, that, that, that just describes essence to me, to praise his holy name. When, when my soul sings, um, my voice has a part to play, but it's secondary to what my soul does. Which is why we have people who sometimes sing in worship, but they don't worship. Like they're in the gathering and you mm -hmm. can hear them singing, but their soul isn't in it. They're, yes. they're like I was in eighth grade when I discovered I could sing and I wanted everybody to know I could sing and I wasn't <laughs> worshiping. I was just trying to sing as loud as I could uh, so the people around me would know. Yeah, yeah. I'm raising yeah. my hand over here. You all can't see that, but I'm, yeah. I'm flipping it up there. And, and, unless you're driving, you can raise your hand as yeah. well. So maybe you've <laughs> been there. That's you. If you're listening yeah. right now and that was you, just raise your hand. Um, no we won't see it, but here. yeah. Um, and so I think you can, you can let your soul sing without singing which is a, a little different. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that more next episode, but I just I think it's really essential that it is the essence of who you are that you um, release to encounter the essence of who God is. I, I want to go back before we go to the next one to every, because there was one category I left out, oh. and, and I think this is so important. I want to create a worship gathering where people who aren't yet Christians mm -hmm. find the gathering so compelling that their soul yearns to sing. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about young and old and male and female and rich and poor and different ethnicities and all of that sort of thing. But I, I really think, in, in large part based on 1 Corinthians 14, but I really think that the worship gathering of the local church ought to be so dynamic and engaging and empowered that when an unbeliever steps into that gathering, it, it stirs their soul too. Um, maybe even a part of what God uses to draw them to faith is the encounter they have with the worshiping community. So when you ask, is every actually possible? Well, if there are unbelievers, then their soul isn't worshiping God yet. It's worshiping something because everybody was made to worship. Okay. Um, but I think the worship gathering can be so, again, just attractive is too small of a word, um, compelling, engaging, captivating, and, and that's true when we really sing about who Jesus really is, because he's captivating. If, if he's lifted up, he will draw people to him. So if we're lifting him up and, and we're doing it with all the stuff we're talking about, then I'm convinced that unbelievers, as, as I've seen here in our church, we've actually had people um, twice that I know about get saved while we were singing great songs of the faith. Mm -hmm. Um, God reached down through his Holy Spirit and rescued somebody for all of eternity while we were singing, not while there was preaching. Um, I just think that's the power of dynamic worship. And again, that's mm -hmm. biblical and, and all that stuff. So when I say every, I really do mean every. And, and that's my hope and, and dream. And I think if you talk to people across 
the spectrum, a lot of people would have that as part of their story. Mm. That they walked into some sort of gathering, and either it was because of the love that they felt from the people there, yeah, or something that they heard or saw or felt was a catalyst for that change in their heart. Uh, when I was, my husband was in medical school, we were a part of a very small student church, mm-hmm. and a, a young man had been coming with his wife to our church, and we just all assumed everybody was, you know, a believer there, and one Sunday, uh, my husband was kind of leading the service, and he was like, do you want to pray for us to mm. close? And he was like, no. And then about three months later, he kept coming, and about three months later, it was like the same thing happened. Uh, we were closing our service, and my <laughs> husband apparently forgot and was like, hey, on, do you want to close our service and pray for us? And I, like, elbowed him, like, no, he doesn't want to, remember? And he was like, sure. Wow. Well, he had never prayed publicly before, and in his prayer, first time ever praying publicly, he told everybody in his prayer, that he had come to know the Lord. Just coming to our wow. to our group, he was like, I fell in love with God, just hanging out with these people. And so, God, I just want to thank you for saving me. And we were all like, we had no idea. No idea. Oh, Nobody knew. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. God is so big. And he can do so many things that we don't expect. Oh, and so I, many. And I love that about so him. Yeah, that's... That's wonderful. If you have a story like that, I would love to see it. Comment on the podcast or or send me an email at rodellis at gmail.com. We'll come back to that. Or um, call me if you know me. I I love those stories, and I want to collect them. Uh, I would love to share them. Um, It can be so encouraging when we grow weary of trying to create worship experiences so every soul sings and then Mm -hmm. people aren't. Um, and we just need to be reminded that God is the one who's doing the work, and he does it in ways we don't expect. So thank you, Bethany, for sharing that story. Absolutely. My favorite definition of worship actually doesn't have to do with music at all. Mm. Um, it came from a guy from the International House of Prayer named Jay Thomas. And he yeah. said, worship is a right response to a revelation of God. And there's so many ways that we can do that. There's so many forms that we can use to do that. But that's basically what you're talking about, is the essence of who somebody is responding to a revelation, something that's been supernaturally revealed to them. This is not knowledge. It's not information. It only comes through revelation from God. Right. And when we respond to that, in whatever way it is, in in a right way, because there are wrong ways to respond to revelation of God. Like if you learn that God is a jealous God, you know, keeping your idols is a bad response. Mm. (laughs) Like that's not a right response to a revelation of idolatry. People Um, would never do that. Oh, wait. (laughs) Read the Bible. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But any time a soul responds to a revelation of God, that is worship. Yeah. And that's Which, what you are looking for. It is, and, and and says so much about what the worship gathering ought to be, because if we're not um, working with God to reveal who God is and, and what God has done, uh, then we're probably not doing it well, because mm-hmm. then we cover up his revelation. Of course, he can power through anything. He's God. He's in charge. <laughs> he can do what he wants, but we can either help him or, or hinder him, yeah. and uh, I, I just never want to hinder. I always want to help. So that's, yeah, that's so good. 
I was reading yesterday in Second uh, Corinthians about being ambassadors, you mm. know, to the world and how God was reconciling the world to himself. Yes. And because of that, we speak to people as if God himself were speaking through our lips, be reconciled to God. Wow. We are his mouthpiece to the world. He chooses to do it that way. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, Francis Chan says that a lot yes. in his books. Yeah. I would not have done it this way. I don't know why, God. And I feel the same way. Like, I don't know why. I don't know that was the best decision. But, uh, but here we are. Yep. <laughs> and he wants to use us to communicate this to people, to the world. And most of us are musicians, and so we try to couch that in music. And music is powerful, but it's, it's not the only tool and, it's a and, great and tool. It is a great tool and, and so biblical. And the word sing appears you know, more than the word love in the Bible. God's a big fan of singing, so we need to be singing. But um, it's just bigger than that. But it's also, uh, if we are in fact choosing songs, it needs to really inform the lyrics that we choose for people to sing and, and all those things. Again, we'll, we'll get into specifics as we get closer to the, uh, well, get farther into the podcast episodes. Um, singing. Let me talk about singing for a second, since we just mentioned that. Yes, um, <laughs> we've just now I mentioned did. it. I did. I didn't. Briefly. Well, yeah, uh, and I didn't mean to segue there, but I, I was ready. So every we talked about so and every and soul. So let's talk about sings. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes our voices can't sing, and uh, I, I've experienced that in, in a variety of ways. In one season of my life, I was so riddled with guilt that I couldn't sing. Um, in others, I've been so overcome by the beauty of a moment that I couldn't sing or the power of a moment. Um, but then sometimes, you know, we have people on stage who <laughs> their mouth is otherwise engaged, like they're holding a flute or a trumpet, um, and so they can't <laughs> sing. Uh, but their soul can still sing, even if their voice can't. I, I was talking with somebody again just in the last few days, and, and they were talking about how broken they were and that when they come to church, they just can't sing. And, and I said, I'm so glad that, that we can sing for you. You know, that we can carry you on our song and, and healing will come and you'll be able to sing and then somebody else will need you to sing for them. And, and it really is your soul singing. It's not just your voice singing. And I, I hope that we are creating spiritual experiences that are more oriented to the soul than we are musical experiences that are oriented to the voice. And if we do that well, I, I'm convinced we will have powerful worship gatherings, um, you know, if God sees fit, it, it, again, he's in charge, he gets to pick, but uh, it's, we are, uh, an old quote, and I can't remember who said it, I, I say it regularly, I wish I could find it, um, we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience, not earthly beings having spiritual experiences, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when we gather for worship, we have earthly bodies, but it's a spiritual experience, and, and that's, what I, that's what I think of when I think of soul singing. I think of Andre Crouch back in the 70s who bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Or Matt Redman who came along mm. decades later and wrote, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Both of those I'm sure inspired by Psalm 103 mm -hmm. um, because there have been people writing lyrics for, for God people to sing for millennia. Mm -hmm. and, and that just I love that we get to find new ways to let our souls Sing. Those four little words affect everything. So every soul sings. Four words. Song selection, what key the song is in, what the instrumentation is going to look like. 
how much light there is in the room, how loud the song is, just everything. If you can, if you can think about your worship gathering, whether you're the leader or a participant in the leadership team or a worshiper, what can I do to contribute to this space and this event so every soul sings? And that's, that's my goal. That's what I hope this podcast does. That's what I hope my life does. That's what I hope my ministry does. And that's what I'm excited about building with you guys, listeners, uh, helping us build a tribe of people who want to see every soul sing.